Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Hello, my name is John, and this is my wife, Norma. And um, I'd like to give my testimony of how our ministry across the world started. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. started back in 2007. I was a power lineman and had been so for 20 some years and I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and they ended up having to do a craniotomy brain surgery and um, through the brain surgery I ended up deaf on my right side. I have constant vertigo and uh, balance issues and memory issues and so I wasn't able to go back to work and that was very devastating for me because that was my livelihood. That was everything. You loved your job. And um, so, I mean, we lost everything because of it. We lost our house, our vehicles, everything. And we were just, you know, wondering why that happened. You know, what, why God did this happen? And um, it actually drew us closer to God and um, brought us back to Him. And, having to have both my knees replaced and had the knee replacement surgery and the, and the sur reason was because of the balance you were actually trying so hard to, for maintaining balance you actually ruined your knees yeah so we had the surgery done and uh, surgery went well but on the second night um, I coded and died and uh, as I was dying my my soul was being pulled out of my body. I could feel it being pulled out of my body and I was so fighting it because I, had, I hadn't even said goodbye to my wife. She had just left 30 minutes prior to that and I was just so upset because it was like, I can't, I can't leave. And you know, so I didn't win and I ended up going up and uh, saw many wonderful things and enjoyed certain things and uh, a messenger from God said that uh, I was going to go back to, you know, back to life, and uh, 
that I needed to go out and spread the message of Christ because time was running short. needed to get out and I said okay so like you're talking about like spreading it in Florida and he said no and I said well the southeast and he said no he said across the world and I was like yeah okay you know I mean here I just had my knees replaced and had a brain issues already and I said okay how and he said um, you'll be shown in the time and, you know when time is right you will be shown what to do and I said okay In 2012, my sister and brother-in-law, they're missionaries in Italy, and they had come back to the States for re-upping their contributions for their ministry, and my sister asked for us to come to lunch with her, and so we went to lunch with her, and uh, as we were going to leave, she asked if we, she had a little cardboard box of wooden cross necklaces, and she said, can you do something with these? You know, she had them. And I said, sure, we can do something with them, and at the time we were going to a farmer's market there in Keystone and we had a little booth that we set up and we decided to take the crosses and we started passing them out and um, just had an overwhelming response to passing them out. I mean people were just like loving the crosses. Yes. started making the crosses and 
we decided that we wanted to have some kind of a salvation track in there to get the word out and we scoured the internet for different tracks and, and the salvation message and found one and altered it to fit our ministry and then include our ministry into it and um, started packaging them and getting them together. pastor about it and he was all excited about starting the ministry and um, he would, was thrilled to death to do anything to help us get it started he uh, introduced me to all the pastors there in the county and and you know we we were able to get crosses to them and that gave us a foothold into it and through that the members of different churches that went on missions trips asked for them and took them on their missions trips and we had pastors from foreign countries contact us and wanting the crosses and we were took shipped them out to them and they were overwhelmed at the amount of people that just wanted to have these crosses to pass out It's just amazing to us that, you know, us being obedient to God and what He does with if you are obedient and He just returns it, you know, hundredfold. I mean, you know, there's no way we can do this without His hand in it. And, you know, back when I had the brain surgery and lost all my, you know, my job and everything and I didn't understand why. And now I understand why because if I hadn't had that happen and was still working there was no way I could be doing this ministry so it just all I mean it seemed like tragedy at that, at that point but now it has worked into something that's just marvelous and you know it's through the fact that our that the church and our, the people of the church pass these crosses out and they take them out and they put them out into the world and it's because of you that this ministry works and we are so thankful for our church and our church family and we thank you for the support. We thank you for all you're doing for us. And we just, love you guys. We just love our church and just are thrilled to death with it and pray that this ministry continues to grow.
And the reason I wanted you to see that video before this message is because we have two members of our church who have just testified about a journey that they were on where they discovered their ministry. Now, I will have to say, um, we don't want your discovery process to be as dramatic as theirs was, but I do believe that God wants every person in this house to discover uh, your ministry. And at the same time, as I'm preaching this message on discovering ministry, I want to give you an invitation to be back this evening. Um, I don't normally teach or preach on Sunday evenings, but this evening I'll be teaching a class, uh, a four-week class on discovering ministry. We have sign-up sheets here at the front. We have sign-up sheets in the lobby. I think we have like 40 or 50 people who have already signed up. This is a syllabus-driven class. So if you plan on being back tonight, if possible, please sign up uh, so I'll have a syllabus ready to put in your hands uh, when you get back tonight. Four weeks. I am confident that if you will do this, that you will be well on the road to discovering your personal ministry. It's going to be an exciting class. And I know I've already gone through it one time. I can tell you, if you've already been through this class, it will not hurt you to go through it again. We'll begin at 6 p.m. if I fail to tell you that. And I do understand that we have multiple things going on in this church. We'll start this class tonight, and it'll go for four weeks. And then next Sunday night, Brother Ron's beginning his class. Uh, Don't worry about that. Both of these classes will be repeated. Pick the one out that you want to go to. And go to it and you'll have another opportunity to go through whichever one uh, you miss. Six o'clock this evening. I'm not sure whether we'll meet in the worship center or somewhere else on on the property, but uh, you'll find us if you'll come back. Napoleon once pointed to a map of China and said, There lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. Well, friends, I believe with all my heart that's exactly what the church of Jesus Christ in America is today. I believe it is a sleeping giant. And I also believe with all of my heart that it's true of this church. River of life is still a sleeping giant. Now, without question, we already know God has done some great and marvelous and wonderful works through this church. But I believe with all my heart that if river of life church ever fully wakes up. Look out, Wakulla County. Look out, Wakulla County. Things will begin to happen on a, a, on a level that we can't even hardly imagine. Now, discovering ministry, the sermon I'll preach this morning, and the four classes that we will begin this evening will be all about waking up a sleeping giant. It'll be all about every member of this church discovering their own personal ministry. And that's exactly what we want uh, you to do. Can you imagine with me, can we just dream just a little bit, can you imagine with me what it would be like to spend the rest of your life doing exactly what God has equipped you to do? Spending the rest of your life Doing what God designed you for. The rest of your life doing what God wants 
you to do. Well, friends, I believe that's possible. I believe it can happen, and I believe it will happen. The first scripture I want to share with you this morning is Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I actually like the way the King James Version says it better than this. The King James Version says, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. What that means is God had a plan for you before you were you. Before you were even born, God had a plan for your life. God had a plan, He had a design, He had a purpose for your life. Now here's another scripture I want us to couple with that scripture. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, when you put those two scriptures together, this is what you come up with. Before you were born physically, God had a plan for your life. And when you were born spiritually, God gave you gifts for ministry, talents, ability. And God wants you to use those for His glory. You see, the bottom line is God has a plan for your life and God has gifted you for ministry. I don't care who you are. He has gifted you for ministry. And God wants you to use whatever gifts He's given you to minister to His body, and to the world for His glory. I had an interesting thing happen this past Wednesday night. I was not here. Uh, Pastor Coburn uh, led. I heard so many great reports about the glory of God coming down. Uh, I said so many people told me what a great service it was. I got tired of hearing it. And... um, And I remembered what some pastor, I heard a pastor say one time, had I known he was going to do such a good job, I wouldn't have invited him. No, I'm teasing. I I always love to hear great reports. But this past Wednesday night, my wife and I and Kyle and Susan, my son and daughter-in-law, were at the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. Can you imagine? What in the world were we doing there? We uh, were honored to receive an invitation uh, and to go uh, and have dinner uh, with the, the First Lady. And that was, that was pretty special. I just have to tell you, I, I've, I was amazed, and about 40 or 50 people were there, and uh, I, I wasn't sure how I would feel about it. Just to be honest with you, I, I was a little nervous. I was a little apprehensive. I was a little out of my element. I mean, I'm a, I'm a country preacher. I'm a, I'm a redneck preacher that drives a pickup truck. I, yeah, us rednecks almost have you guys outnumbered. <laughs> I, I, I was nervous. I don't know what it is about me. But when I get around real, real smart people, it just makes me nervous. I think that's why I'm so comfortable when I'm around all you guys. 
I could have left that one out, couldn't I? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I was asked to pray. I prayed over the meal, and uh, I thought, okay, there. I've done it. Now I'll just endure the evening. But then First Lady uh, Scott got up, and she said, now I want us to just go around. I want everybody in the room to get up and say something. And I thought, oh my goodness, what will I say? And uh, my wife actually went before I did. She was seated at another table and just did a marvelous job, and so did Kyle and Susan. But when, when it got my turn to say something, and I'd been praying about this. I really had. I'd been praying about this because I was, uh, Lord, what do you want me to say? I mean, I'm there with dignitaries and 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 mayors and chief of police and, and educators and book writers. And I mean, I was hearing all of these great accounts. Lord, what do you want me to say? And I really felt like God wanted me to stand up and just say this. Uh, not very bold, fairly benign, but just to say that faith in God is still alive in America. Uh, yeah, yeah, still alive in America. And so, so that's exactly what I did. I just got up and I said, listen, I don't care what you hear on the news. I don't care what you see on television. I just want to tell you, faith in God is still alive in America. And then I said, now you can imagine coming off last Sunday. I mean, I was sky high. And... and, and I said, in our country church down in Wakulla County, this past Sunday, I baptized 53 people. And I want you to know, to my surprise, they did exactly what you just did. The whole room applauded. And uh, that was about it. I made a couple more comments and then I sat down. But something happened that I was not expecting. This is what happened. The whole mood of the room changed. I felt like it was changing all over the room. I know it was changing at the table where I was seated. And the next guy that got up, he said, I'm a businessman. So help me, this is exactly what he said. He said, I'm a businessman, but I want you to know I'm a leader in my church. And I realized that what had happened was just breaking the ice and just identifying the fact that faith in God uh, was not just acceptable, but it was going on in America, that it emboldened people to stand up and talk. And then the next lady that stood up as it went around our table was a professor at Florida A&M University. She proceeds to tell everybody about what God had done in her life and how God had brought her to where she was. And I'm not making this up. She turns around and points her finger at me and she said, And Pastor, all of that was a divine appointment. This is getting good. I, I was feeling better about the whole situation. You may think I'm making this up, but I'm not. There was this guy seated by me 
And he said, go. I went first at our table. He goes all the way around the table. When it gets to him, he stands up. And this is, this is exactly what he said. Verbatim. I don't believe it's coincidence that I have been seated by the pastor. And he said, the reason I believe that is because 20 years ago, I was going down the wrong road. I was drinking and drugging and living like the world and messing my life up. And he said, I even spent time in prison. But he said, five years ago, Jesus Christ saved my soul. And then he spends about four or five minutes talking about all that God had done for him in these past five years. I'm seated. He's the only one in the room standing. And he reaches down and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he said, now pastor, I'm a testimony of what Jesus Christ can do in the lives of those who trust Him. Wow! Wow! I mean, this is good stuff, isn't it? Uh, By the way, his name is Dale White. I got his number, and I'm going to invite him to come and test anybody that'll get up. Now, mine was real soft. Anybody that'll get up in the governor's mansion and make such a testimony, don't you want to hear him? I mean, this this was this was amazing, and I'm going to give him an invitation to come and be here with us. But it didn't stop there. As we were all eating, the the atmosphere so changed at our table. There was such freedom. I turned to the left, and the mayor of Wellington, Florida, was seated to my left. And I don't know, it was as natural at this point as if I were in church with you guys. I turned to the mayor of Wellington, Florida, and I said to her, now tell me where you go to church. She told me immediately. And then she just, now remember, everybody at the table is listening to this. And then she said, Pastor... She said, let me tell you a story. She said, my church came to me and asked me if I'd teach a Bible study class. And I was honored, and I told them absolutely I would. And she said, and then I found out that the Bible study class they wanted me to teach was a class full of autistic children. And she said, that was when I said, I can't do this. And they said, will you try? And she said, yes. And then she looked at me and she said, the strangest thing happened. And I quote her. She said, Pastor, I found out that I was good at it. I was good at it. That was where I belonged. That was where God wanted me. And I looked at her. The whole table is listening. And I said, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And I said, Ma'am, God prepared you for that class before you were even born. She smiled. She nodded her head. If I ever get another invite back to the governor's mansion, I'm going. I'm just telling you right now. I am definitely going. Do you know what God's plan is for your life? I'm not asking you, do you read your Bible every morning? I hope you do. 
I'm not asking if you pray over your food. I'm not asking if you come to church on a regular basis. I'm saying if an eternal God, a mighty God has a plan for your life and He had it before you were born, have you discovered that plan for your life? Well, I want to speak prophetically just a little bit. You will. You will discover it. You see, all over this worship center, there are people who are good at things, gifted at things, and they don't even know it yet. But you will. As this sleeping giant of a church begins to wake up more and more, the revelation of the Holy Spirit will be upon this house. And people are going to begin to discover who they are and what God has called them to do, what God has designed them far. I believe with all my heart that's going to happen. You know, I have, uh, I've been growing older and older every day. And I still can't catch up with some of you. You know, we're get, some of us are getting older, aren't we? I heard somebody say, just a few days ago, I thought, I thought growing older would take longer than this. <laughs> hey, listen, for, for all those of you who are my age and older, man, has the world changed? Boy, I just can't believe how much the world's changed. I was interested in how much the world changed, so let me read this to you. When I, your pastor, when I was born in 1951... Harry Truman was in the White House. Dwight Eisenhower was in the Army. Ronald Reagan was in Hollywood. George Bush Sr. was in the University. Coca-Cola was five cents a bottle. Gasoline was 19 cents a gallon. Coffee was 29 cents a pound. Inflation was unheard of. And only 155 million people were living in the United States. In my lifetime, the population has over doubled. Can you believe it? See, things change, but not everything. Some things never change. The Word of God never changes. <clears throat> truth, truth never changes. Here's something else that never changes. This never changes. In every generation, God is still saving and changing lives. He's changing lives. That never changes. And here's something else that never changes. For every child of God, God has a plan. God has a plan for your life, and He wants us to discover that plan. Plain and simple, I'm just telling you what this message is about and what our study will be about Tonight and for the next four weeks will be all about you discovering His plan for your life. I have a scripture for you that I kind of feel like somebody needs here today. It's Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, For the gifts and the calling of God are, say it with me, irrevocable. irrevocable. You know what that means? God doesn't change His mind. When you were born and God gave you a set of spiritual gifts, He never calls them back. When, when you were born into the kingdom of God, 
And God gave you those gifts and God had a plan and a design and a calling for your life. It's irrevocable. It doesn't change. The gifts God has given you, He wants you to use them. They don't expire. And, and, and you and I need to use them. We need to find out what they are. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking right now. Pastor, all this sounds good. But I've missed my calling. I'm way past my days of ministry. No, you're not. No, you are not. Moses was 80 years old when God finally revealed His full plan for him in ministry. Moses tried to do it at 40, but God didn't fully reveal it to him until he was 80. Let me tell you, some of you may have tried to do something at 40, and now God wants you to do it right now. You, you You may be in your 70s, you may be in your 80s right now, And God may be getting ready to do the greatest work He's ever done through your life. Don't insult grace and don't insult God by thinking it's too late. It's not too late. Now, you may have tried and failed a hundred times, but don't you give up. And you may be thinking, I can't do what I see other people in this church do. Well, join the club. I can't either. I can't. I wish. I wish I could sing like Ryan Peck. Man, that was beautiful this morning. I wish I could sing like James Parker. Man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could teach the Word of God with the same kind of clarity that Derek Gray teaches with. Wow. I wish I could play the guitar like Bob Young. I wish I could pray like Al Terrell. You knew where I was going, didn't you? I wish I could pray like that. And I could go on and on. Have you ever seen a church with so much talent and so much ability? And I look around and I try not to be envious. Of all I see. But friends, I can't, I can't do what they do. And here's the good news. God doesn't want me to do what they do. God wants me to discover my gifts, my talents, my ability. And He wants me to use them in ministry for His glory. And that's exactly what God wants for you. That's what God wants you to do. God wants you to discover your gifts, your talents, your ability, and use it for the glory of God. I'm going to help you if you will let me discover your gifts, discover your ministry, so you can get started. And friends, you talk about explosive growth. Wow. It's going to happen in this church. You talk about critical mass. Man, there's going to be a spiritual explosion around here. Like you wouldn't believe. Just just come back tonight. Now I understand some of you can't come back. I understand some of you already know what your ministry is. And that's fine. You probably don't need to be here. But many of you do not know what God has called you to do. And man, this is, this is our appointed time to deal with this. And so I invite you to come back. I want to close today by sharing with you an evening that changed my life. And... Uh, 
my, well, let me just get right into the story. My wife and I were young. We were pastoring in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And one night, an older couple in our church, we didn't even know who they were. We were so new at the church. But they invited us to come and spend the evening at their home. And we agreed to do that. And uh, so while we were there, I, I learned that, she, that he had already retired and she was still teaching at a local college there in Hattiesburg. And it was a delightful evening. And somewhere during the evening, I said, listen, I want to hear about you. I want to hear about your life. I want to hear about your journey. I want to hear about where you've been and what you've done. And they started telling us these stories. And uh, somewhere in the evening, their, name, uh, their last name was Myers. Somewhere in the evening, Mr. Myers said, at one time in my life, I was a member of Bellevue Baptist Church, Memphis, Tennessee. And when he said that, boy, my ears perked up. Every preacher in the house, you know what I'm talking about. I said, is there any chance you were at Bellevue Baptist Church when Dr. R.G. Lee was there as pastor? And he said, he was the pastor the whole time I was there. I said, did you ever talk to him? He said, all the time. I said, and you sat under his ministry and he told me how many years? He said, it was just amazing. And, and, and I, I, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was just hanging on every word. And, and then he told me, he, he said, one of the things I really loved about Dr. Lee is he was always quoting these poems. And, uh, and then he says to me, he said, would you like for me to share with you some of those poems? I said, well, of course I would. And he said, uh, and I thought he'd reach over and pick up a book or pick up some paper. And he just starts quoting poems. He said, I heard Dr. Lee quote this poem one time and he quoted it. He said, I heard Dr. Lee quote this poem one time and he quoted it. He said, I heard Dr. Lee quote this. I remember the message he preached and he quoted this poem. And man, I am, I am sitting in his living room, drinking it in. My heart is burning. I'm thinking, wow, man. And I ask him, I say, how long did it take you to remember all those? He said, well, I don't know. I said, did you try to remember them? He said, well, no. I said, you heard him quote that poem one time and you remembered it word perfect? He said, well, I've never thought about it, but I guess I did. I said, when I get in the pulpit, he was in my congregation, I said, when I get in the pulpit and I preach and I give a poem, can you an hour later quote that poem verbatim? Yes. I said, you can do that? He said, yes. And I, I, I said, I said, man, I've never seen anything like this before. And, and, and I said, have you ever used this in ministry? He said, no. Nobody's ever asked me to. I said, Sunday morning you will be in my pulpit and you will be quoting poems and you'll be ministering this gift that you have. And from time to time, from that day forward, I'd call him up. He didn't need to practice. He didn't need to prepare. He'd just get up and start quoting poetry. And it was just an amazing thing. But something else happened that night. I fell in love with poetry. That night, and I didn't know. I didn't have any desire. I, 
And I just got to tell you, that night changed. It reshaped a part of my ministry. It changed me. And for 40 years, now it doesn't come as easy to me as it did to him, but for 40, 40 years I've been memorizing poetry. You want to hear some poetry? Yeah. Let me give you a good one. I think you'll like this one. God is dead, the atheists say. I know he's not. I talked to him today. <laughs> dead, never to live again, they claim. Yet he's still saving souls in Jesus' name. Alive, 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 let it be said. God will be living when all the atheists are dead. <laughs> Hey, that reminds me of a scripture. There's one passage in Psalms that says, The heathens raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. I understand there are a lot of heathens in this world raising their voices, but don't you fret, child of God, one of these glorious days, he's going to utter his voice, and all the opposition against him will melt. It'll be gone. We don't have to worry. Let me give you another one. Somebody here may need this one. This may encourage you uh, just a little bit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care presses down on you a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Isn't that a good poem? Rest if you must, but don't you quit. That is so biblical. Don't quit. Every now and then my daughter will sing a song just for me. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give in. God is still on His throne. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up. Remember, you are not alone. Somebody here needs to hear this today. And I believe this is a word from God. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you give up on your marriage. I don't care what anybody tells you. Don't you give up on your marriage. You made a vow and you made a commitment. Don't you give up on your marriage. Don't you give up on your spouse being saved. Oh, it may be years and years and years that you've been trying. Don't you give up on your spouse being saved. Don't you give up on your children coming to Christ. Young people, don't you give up on your parents coming to Christ in salvation. We have young people that are saved and some of those young people, their own parents are not saved. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you give up on that miracle of deliverance or healing that you've needed your whole life. Don't you give up on that. And that bad habit that you, you've been trying to break and you've tried a hundred times and you haven't been able to break it. Don't give up on that. Don't you quit. You put faith in God and you keep on keeping on. And don't you give up on that dream that God gave you so long ago. Don't you give up on that dream. And by all means, don't you dare give up. On God's plan for your life. I don't care how old you are. Don't you give up on God's plan. You know, there's a scripture that says in due season, you'll reap if you what? 
faint not. That means don't give up. Hey, listen, I'm normally finished at 12 o'clock. Will you, everybody in favor of me finishing this message? Hold your hand up. All right. Everybody, I started to say everybody else can leave, but I think the majority would leave. All right, I, pro, I promise I'll, I'll make it short. Uh, listen. Listen, we need... Wow. We need to find our place in the notes. That's what we need. Perhaps this will help some of you. President Abraham Lincoln, when he was a young man, went to war. Captain, he returned to private. It's true. I've done some research on it. Went to war, captain, returned to private. Afterward, he was a failure as a businessman. As a lawyer in Springfield, he was uh, too impractical and temperamental to be a success. He turned to politics and was defeated in his first try for the legislature. Again, defeated in his first attempt to be nominated for Congress. Defeated in his application to be the commissioner of the General Land Office. Defeated in the senatorial uh, election of 1854 defeated in his efforts for the vice president presidency in 1856 and defeated in the in the senatorial election in 1858 and during all that he broke up with his girlfriend that's a big one I mean, later on, they actually did get married, but he broke up with her. I want you, in a letter, this is what he wrote. Pull it up on the screen. I want you to see this. I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. That's what one of the greatest presidents on earth said. Isn't that amazing? But you know what? He didn't quit. What does God have in store for you if you just won't quit? In 1960, he was elected the President of the United States. It, excuse me, 1860. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Hey, let, let me just close with this. That night in the home of the Myers, he quoted poem after poem after poem. He taught me a poem that night. And I think it's the saddest poem I've ever heard. I've used it many times through the years. It's about a young teenager. Teenagers, listen to me. It's about a teenager who had an opportunity to receive Christ and start following Christ, but backed away from that opportunity and a short time later was killed in a car accident. And Dr. R.G. Lee walked to the pulpit and quoted this poem. And Mr. Myers remembered it and quoted it verbatim. That's what he said. He stood at the door. The door stood wide. Just by the portals, but not inside. Almost ready to enter in. Almost ready to give up sin. Almost ready to count the cost. Almost saved, but eternally lost. I think that's the saddest poem I've ever committed to memory.
to be almost saved, but eternally lost. My invitation this morning is twofold. If you're not absolutely sure that you've been saved and you'd go to heaven if you died today, I'm going to ask you to meet me at the front and trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you know you're saved, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. You don't have to come to the altar. You can, but I'm going to ask you to make a commitment that you will not stop until you have discovered God's will, plan, and ministry for your life. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day. Thank you for being with us. I pray, Father, that you will bless. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.